Hello, everyone, and we hope you had a great holiday. Welcome back. The crew is back this week for episode 25 of the PDH pod. You know, it's the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to after a nice little time off. Uh, Dave, what you got going on? How was your holiday? My holiday was glorious. I, I did nothing. And it was everything I dreamed it could be. Like, <laughs> I spent Beautiful. I spent Thursday, the, the Thursday of Thanksgiving, I spent that wearing pajamas, eating leftover frozen pizza. Mm. Not like okay. not like out of the oven frozen pizza, but like frozen pizza that I had cooked before and then put in the fridge and then microwaved. Yes. Like mm-hmm. that was my meal on Thursday. And it was perfect. Okay. I like I, I was telling people that and they were like, Oh, that sounds terrible. Like, no no no, you don't understand. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you don't get it. <laughs> I will I will put pants on, I will pretend to be social, I will engage in conversation tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. I'll do that on Friday with humans, I'll eat turkey. But Thursday Thursday I have no <laughs> commitments and I don't have to impress anyone. It was the ideal day. See, that that sounds that, ideal for Thanksgiving. That was me on Wednesday. <sighs> Beautiful. That was me on Wednesday because uh, my my family likes to do uh, Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But but the Wednesday before was absolutely just PJ day and and de stress. Yeah, kind of ramp up for the weekend. Oh no, there was no ramp up. It was it was just completely ramping down. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. My nice. my holiday was spent uh, racking forty five hours on a video game. Ooh, which one? Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Nice. I'm nice. doing another playthrough on it, so uh, I I booted up a new save file and got, put 45 hours on it this weekend. Nice. Uh, instead of instead of doing literally <laughs> instead of doing anything program. else, <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of doing literally anything productive, yep. um, I spent my five day weekend playing video games. That sounds amazing. And it was fantastic. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Nice relaxing holiday. That's what it's all about, really. I'm not a big fan. I mean, we do the family stuff and we make food and we eat food and we hang out and talk. And but that's not really what I want to do. I don't, I don't mean the yeah. you know I don't mean that to sound like a bad thing. Like I would rather like just chill out and take the day off work, hang out with the immediate family that lives in this house, and you know PJs, watch some movies, eat some pizza or whatever. And like that's a holiday to me, not worrying about offending your weird uncle or seeing an aunt you haven't seen in 10 years you know just the weird awkward stuff that's not a holiday to me but yeah sounds like you guys had a a little good good little time off but we're back at it now so we gotta do a little housekeeping before we get into the main topic we would love if all the listeners out there visited visited us on patreon if you like the show like what we're doing you want to support us throw us a couple bucks you can find us over at patreon.com slash the pdh pod uh you get access to the pre-show like today we recorded almost an hour of pre-show just kind of catching up after time off or in between shows talking about what we're doing sometimes we'll go we'll talk about games or different cards different decks that sort of thing just whatever comes up just casual conversation between the three of us Uh, you'll also get access to our show notes that we'll put up 
uh, right along with early access to the episode. So you get a little bit of everything before anybody else gets it. And then um, we're going to work on some swag. We've already sent out a round of stickers. I hope everybody got their stickers. So those are pretty cool. But we're going to work on some stuff in the future, too. we got some ideas rolling around. And then on top of all that, sort of the cherry on top, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord where you can chat with all of us, with the other patrons, you can get help with your decks, all that good stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool. I think you should check it out. If you if you like what we're doing, throw us a couple bucks and, and show us some love, some monetary love. Uh, outside of that, you can check out our YouTube channel. It's the PDH pod over there. And I think that's about it for promotional stuff. Liam, what do you got for Magic this week? Yeah, so uh, Magic this week is... is- tiny bit depressing <laughs> i'm sure most of our listeners are fairly enfranchised in magic and uh know about the uh incident with magic 30 uh that's all i'm going to say on that i'm specifically talking about the collector edition the the gold border stuff and then with that i have another secret layer announcement same one as as uh last week last week we took a bit of a break but we did a very very mini uh, uh patreon special mm-hmm. and uh the secret layer news that week was the Magic Con Philadelphia Festival in a Box was going on sale. I don't think it was quite on sale last week. It was going on sale sometime over the weekend. Uh, it is currently on sale. Um, I would like to do one of these without new Secret Lair news. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and prelude uh, next week's. There is a Transformers Secret Lair of some variety uh, going on sale on the 5th. And we will likely be recording next week on the 6th. Uh, so I'm just going to prelude next week with yep, that. All will be uh, one. So, so, hope, so, so that hopefully, ideally, <laughs> next week, I don't have a secret layer in Magic this week. Yeah, ideally. oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, are, are you aware that next week is December? I am aware that do, Thursday is December. Do you, know, do you know what happens in December? What? I mean, oh, it's the secret varsary. No, I I don't know what that means, but like the December, <laughs> December is the day where all Americans come together to worship the most important holiday, rampant consumerism. There's going to be a secret layer every single day. December. Every day, like every you're not day. every day. New, new I <laughs> I respect your desire to escape this, but there is no escaping this. No. No, you don't understand. Right now, so before before the secret layer, counting counting the thirtieth advent, but not counting the Transformers one we just talked about, and not counting the Magicon uh, Philadelphia mm-hmm. one, there was something like fifty eight, fifty nine secret layers this year. There are fifty two weeks in a year. <laughs> we we have already exceeded one a week, and we still had a month and a half to go out of this year when we exceeded one a week. Yeah, I'm no mathematician, but that sounds like a lot. Yeah. One day, though, one day we'll record an episode where there's no secret layer news. I dream of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can hear it in your voice. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know when that's going to be, but yeah. Someday. <laughs> All right. Well, we can move on from sad secret layers to something a little more cheerful. Get on to the main topic here. And uh, this week, we've decided to do another three by three. Everybody loves them. So we're continuing our series of building decks and choosing commanders for different archetypes to give all the listeners out there a a little bit of insight to the strategies that are possible with the commanders we've chosen and see how each of our sort of different play styles can lead to drastically different decks. You know, obviously they're different commanders, but the decks themselves are going to be vastly different. So this time around, we're bringing combo decks to the table. 
And just like every other archetype, we've got a set of pillars from which to build our decks. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of all of that, Dave, do you want to give the listeners a rundown of uh, of, of the different pillars and all this stuff that, that is crazy with the world of combo? I would love to talk about our, our four pillars of the combo archetype. Mm-hmm. The first pillar that we're going to talk about with the decks that we've brought to, to today's episode is uh, the combo engines. These are going to be how you create infinite loops. What the, the collection of cards you put together that are going to allow you to, to go off and do cycles that hopefully gain you something. Yep. And, and basically, like not to totally interrupt, but for this episode and, and kind of kind of in general, at least when, when we talk about combos, we're referring to infinite loops, infinite combos. Yeah. So Yeah, that's that's a good point. If any if anyone out there is uh old magic boomer uh you might remember the early days of 1995 the word combo then meant what we would today call a synergy yes like i i used to i used to Mm -hmm. joke in the 90s that my favorite combo in magic was rancor and non-wall creatures (laughs) like that was that was my first combo as like Mm -hmm. a 10 year old playing rancor in green text like uh combo doesn't mean that anymore like these days in the in the modern vernacular combo basically always means infinite combo something that you can loop over and over again to basically end the game yeah so that's what we're talking about pillar one is how you create those loops how you how you put together a collection of cards or spells or abilities or effects that are going to get you infinite recursion on something. Uh, the second pillar is how you're going to utilize that loop to win the game, mm-hmm. and that's going to sound like kind of the same thing. Like you're gonna you're gonna listen to this and think, Dave, you just said that. Like pillar <laughs> one is the combo. How is pillar two also the combo? What I mean here is that your combo has an engine and your combo has a payoff. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, if you have a Tidewater minion, which you can tap to untap target permanent, if you have that and a Seeker of Skybreak, which you can tap to untap target creature, like you could you could do an infinite combo where you just tap those to untap each other. Yep, like forever. That, that goes infinite. Yep. But there's no payoff there. Like you cannot you cannot leverage any of those actions or those abilities to like advance your board state or close out a game. There's no yep. there's nothing to do with that. Alternatively, you could think about a combo that might be like Undercity Scrounger taps to create a treasure token. Uh, Freed from the Real is an aura that allows you to spend a blue mana to untap the enchanted creature. Mm-hmm. So like, if you have these two, you can make a treasure token, sack it for a blue mana, use that to untap the creature. Like This has created a combo loop. You can do that indefinitely. You can do that as many times as you want. Yep. Without a payoff, there's no point. Yeah, all you're doing is just wasting time. You're, yeah, you're just so. But this this is a combo that has a lot of useful payoffs. If you throw a reckless fire weaver in there, uh, mm-hmm. now you're dealing a damage every time an artifact enters, and you're yep. utilizing those treasures. Or if you throw in a disciple of deceit, now you're uh, dealing damage when that artifact dies. So that's the yep. combo payoff, and that's that's the difference between the combo engines and the combo payoff. Disciple of the vault. Yeah. What did I say? Disciple of Deceit? Uh, That's a very different kind. That's Uh, a commander. (laughs) Whoops. Disciple of the Vault. Yes, thank you. I should actually read the things that I wrote here. Like, I have these show notes in front of me, and I'm I'm reading the heading and then just talking. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. I do that too. So yeah, a couple of the infinite combos that we're going to talk about are just going to be like, here's how you generate infinite mana. That's fine. 
the uh, the payoff in that case is going to be like your fireball. Mm -hmm. Those are the first two pillars. Those are the combo centric pillars. Uh, pillars number three and four. I I think everyone should be pretty familiar with at this point. Yeah, those pillar haven't changed a whole lot with the other architects. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, pillar number three is still how to not run out of gas, which is also known as card advantage. Although yep. this time it's going to be a little different. In our other archetypes, we've we've been focused very much on here's how you put a bunch of cards into your hand. Here's yeah. your your divinations to draw to, your sign in blood to draw to, your survival cash in white to draw to. Um, with the combo deck, when you're when you're hunting for very specific game ending cards, you're going to want to focus more on digging than on volume. Yeah, because you need those pieces. You need the pieces. So generally speaking, you, you, the cards like Impulse that let you choose one card from the top four are going to be probably more valuable to you than Divination, which is just draw two. Mm -hmm. So we're we're piling that into the the how to not run out of gas that the combo, the the card advantage pillar, gets these digging spells as well as the straight draw spells, and some tutors as well. You can tutor yep. up certain combo pieces. Yep. Pillar four hasn't changed pillar four is how to not die uh this is going to look a lot like control again this this particular pillar is going to be slightly different from how we usually present it in these these three by threes usually mm -hmm. we're we're we say your control suite is here's your murders here's your flesh bag marauders here's your you know into the royals just straight removing creatures from the board combo decks find themselves often being uniquely vulnerable to just getting gang beat by the table yeah <laughs> so the how to not die pillar in this episode is also going to include things like blockers so, right <laughs> uh those are going to be pretty crucial so same pillars slightly different angle on them uh yep. and then yeah, the first two pillars are yep. are are the combo so yep that's what we're working with I think we can slide right into introducing our decks, but we have a we have an order that's sort of implied by these, the, the by the show notes. I think maybe we should go off script and change the order a little bit because I think I like Brad's deck this week is our Yargle deck. Ooh, did I get the Yargle? Brad Brad definitely brought the Yargle to the combo <laughs> discussion. And yeah, so, I, I don't think we actually discussed this before. We, we did not. We had an hour pre-show. We did not talk about it once. <laughs> well, no, before before we even like picked out commanders, I think we all just brought a commander, and then Dave and I looked at them and were like, "Yeah, Brad, Brad's good." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think I think uh, Liam should go, and then I'll go, and then Brad can can round us out by introducing his weird commander. It sounds good. I like it. Awesome. Okay. Solid. What you got? Yeah, so I have uh, a Tatiova deck. You know, I was I was notified that this week uh, this week's strategy was combo, and two things happened in my head. Uh, one was alarm bells, uh, because as does, uh, we had a fairly lengthy discussion in the pre-show, but I'll uh, say it now. Despite my two favorite color combinations being Grixis and Bant, uh, I I don't play combo well. I tend to just play for insane value and oops into combos. Um, I definitely don't... I, I often don't build with combos in mind, but I'm aware of common combo pieces in my decks. 
so when i'm playing i'll try and see if there's any combos or, or whatnot but I, I definitely don't intentionally build with them in mind sure that's fair so i was looking through my existing decks because I, I in my head i'm like i don't have any combo decks i'm gonna have to build something for this episode <laughs> or at least you know theory craft uh like i did for the uh the go wide episode uh and then i ran across tatiova in my in my head and i was like i you know i guess that counts as a combo deck og tatiova yeah og, OG uh 2018 tatiova yep. because I'll be honest, the Tatiova deck that I made a couple years ago and, and have updated uh, pretty consistently uh, was not originally mine. Uh, I, I absolutely net decked it uh, from an experienced PDH player, and I changed a couple things about it. The original uh, list that I took had two, it might have had three now that I'm thinking about it, but it definitely had two combo lines in it, and I stripped them all out uh, in favor of just one singular combo line and giving it some more redundancy, and that is the uh, Paragon Drake combo line. So what I what I did then is then I, I filled out the deck with more pieces that I'll talk about later, mm-hmm. but that deck is really, it's it's meant to be something that I can take to an EDH table and, you know, in the Rule Zero discussion be like, yeah, you know, my win con is this combo line. If you, you know, remove this piece and I can't get it back, I'm done. Like, you know, this is just a, you know, uh, it, it is a powerful commander. It is a scary commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the deck itself is is pretty, pretty low. It, it is a Simic value deck and, and can do work without the commander. Uh, but most of the engine is the commander itself. So yep. it, it really does need the commander to properly function. Yep. And, you know, I'll add in, too, that I think you find that a lot in PDH with combo decks is that they are extremely commander-centric. Would yes. you say that? Yeah, that is definitely a PDH yeah, thing. Absolutely. But yeah, so Tatiova uh, was not my first combo deck in PDH. Uh, I did have uh, previously built uh, Kedis and Malcolm and the Weavers, the Lay and Moor Weavers. Mm-hmm. I was not satisfied with either of those. Uh, because I found them to be uh, too oppressive. Uh, granted, those lists I did just copy verbatim. Uh, I think I think one of them was Alks. Honest, <laughs> honest to goodness. Well, I that think explains one of them was Alks. that explains uh, it being awesome. oppressive and powerful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of I, I think one of them was, and then one of them was uh, someone else that we've had on the show. Uh, gosh, I can't I can't remember exactly who's they if were. If it was but a really popular one on Moxfield, it was probably Crash. Yeah, definitely. I think it was Crash. Or Yolaran. Uh, definitely super popular, like, pillars of the uh, PDH community. Mm-hmm. And those decks were uh, super oppressive uh, and and very, I don't want to say overpowered, uh, much more powerful than what I was uh, comfortable playing at. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I dismantled them, built Tatiova, and uh, stripped uh, all the combo lines out just to the Drake. I'll be honest, one of the combo lines I stripped out was just because I didn't understand it. <laughs> no matter how much of the primer I read, I was just like, I can't reasonably play this mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna take it out is that that title bore or the moonfolk it might have been the moon i do I not understand the moonfolk the moonfolk's a goofy line yeah yeah so yeah so i'm not saying that tatiova is not oppressive because uh tatiova you know is a powerful commander she she draws hecka cards and runs hecka protection yep. but the singular combo line is a little tougher since i have to uh dig a lot harder and i have to tutor more aggressively and because most of my card advantage comes from the commander i can I can sputter out, despite my commander literally saying, you know, perform basic game action, draw a card. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's uh, a, a very surface level look at, at sure. the deck that I brought. All right, Dave. Awesome. What do you got for us? I had a decision to make because there are, uh, amongst 
amongst the this the many decks that I have built, there are two that are very dedicated, heavy combo lines. And both of them originally piloted by Yalaran, interestingly. Mm-hmm. I decided to go with the one that isn't Simic, because Liam, I think, has the Simic lines locked down. So I'm going to tell you today about Is It Guildmage? It is the first dedicated hardcore combo deck I built. I I had previously built decks that incidentally involved some combos, but that wasn't like the main focus of the deck. It was just sort of like, a, oh, if I draw this card, cool things will happen. Yeah. <laughs> but Is It Guildmage is the, the first deck I built that was like, combo is the way that you win, and it's the only way that you win. And uh, turns out Is It Guildmage goes really hard. When you can just copy a cheap spell over and over and over again, it enables some pretty crazy stuff. So uh, the deck is extremely fun. The deck is extremely fragile. Like it's just just like Liam and Brad were saying, every single one of these combos runs directly through the Guild Mage. So if you merc the Guild Mage, I I got nothing. There's... Yeah, you're you're in trouble. I, the deck only functions with a guild mage in play and online, so that's that's it. That's the whole. Uh, yep. But if you can stick the guild mage, uh, the guild mage can combo in like there's there's five like really obvious ways that the guild mage can combo, and probably yep. half a dozen others that are less obvious and so so much further in the left field that it's not worth <laughs> extending past. Like as as I have the deck built right now. It doesn't have all four of the major combo lines in it. It just doesn't have the room to run all of them and all the draw spells and all the control pieces that it needs. Sure. I run what I think are the three best combo lines. And then I know of the fourth. I'm sure that there's a fifth and a sixth and probably a seventh that I just right. haven't thought about. But like, even Some if that, I find them, I'm just not putting them like in the deck. Back, yeah, they just fall backwards into naturally. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's uh, let's see, is it Guildmage? I think it's pretty fun. It's very powerful. It is. It is a very cool commander. Regardless of what you're doing, I think it's a very cool commander. Yeah. So I. That's a good point. I, real quick side note. Yeah. The second 3x3 three three we ever did was the go-wide token strategy. Mm-hmm. And the deck I brought to that was League Guild Mage. And I will be honest, a huge part of the reason I built Lee Guildmage in the first place is because I love what Is It Guildmage does. I love the idea of copying spells, but I wanted a version of that that wasn't top tier competitive. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because I want to, I want to. Most of my decks are casual. I want to be able to take a deck into a casual setting without having to explain to everyone there i know the commander's top tier but the deck is really powered down don't worry about it it's not like don't be frightened like i'm doing goblin nonsense like i'm not gonna combo out <laughs> like i just got really tired of having that discussion yeah like, it's, it's why i yeah. it's why i took apart lay and lore weavers it's why i took apart yep. ghost and tormod like i want i just got sick of saying that so i was like i need to find a version of is it guild mage that's bad so like i don't have to justify it when i bring it to a casual game and it was league guild mage that's where i landed so like that's uh that is my homage to what brad just said about how the commander like even outside of combo the commander is just beautiful does fun things yes it does that card is called league guild mage you should play that deck too yes yeah that's all i got what do you what do you got for us brad tell us tell us about the weird one all right, yeah, I guess I got the uh, the weird one this week. I kind of talked about it in the show in the pre-show, but 
when I was first like brand new to the format, I think a lot of players that are new to PDH do this. They're like, okay, this format's wide open and I can use all these different cards and make these decks and stuff. I want to do five color. You know, I want to do something crazy with five colors and we don't have that many options. So I think one of the first that most players land on, and I know I did, was Composite Golem. So that's my Yargle of, of, of this episode, I guess. And that's basically why I picked it. It was five colors. I was fresh to the format, and I was throwing all these paper decks together you know, for my collection. And I knew that I wanted a combo deck, but I didn't want it to be like CPDH or you know Tier 1 or any of this crazy stuff. So I knew I wanted combo, so I looked into what sort of options that we have in combo decks that are five color or more than three color, whatever you want to say. And I ran into, I started talking to someone on Twitter. I thought I had their, their username in here to give them a shout out, but I started talking to him on Twitter and like, Oh yeah. Hey, I, I, you know, I play this um, composite golem five color nonsense combo deck at my LGS every now and then. And it's not great, but it's hella fun. You know, here's the list. And I looked it over and I immediately like bought all the cards that I needed for it. So this is, you know, this is my combo deck that I actually have in person. I've played it a couple times, nothing nothing huge. I am not, just like Liam for himself, I am not a combo player. Even when I build, uh, even when I brew Simic decks, or even if I net deck something that's, that's Simic-y or, you know, in the combo colors, I generally leave out the combo because I'm not good at them. Oftentimes I don't enjoy just comboing out of nowhere you know if i if i fall like through the back door and i and i hit a combo that's fine but i generally don't play decks that i have to dig for combos and this is how i win and yada 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 that sort of thing uh but i built it a while back oh there it is harsh cabbage that's their twitter name that's where i got the list from and it's basically you know i put in the show notes that it's five color good stuff but it's not so much good stuff because that just sort of implies value after value after value you know and it is that but it's all value centered focused like like a laser beam on one target like this is a combo deck through and through and that's all it wants to do it really has no other win cons it's you're just there to combo out with the golem and that's that's all you got but what i love about it is you don't have to try to cobble the combo together it's five colors you know the list that i'm going to put in the show notes the list that i have in paper it is not the only composite golem combo deck. Like you can go any direction you want to with it. You know, it's five colors. So put whatever combo you feel like. I know Dave mentioned earlier, like the Undercity Scrounger, Freed from the Real, Disciple of the Vault combo. You want to do that? Fine. Throw it in there. You want to do Mogwarts combo? Fine. Throw it in there. You know, whatever you feel like doing because you have the utility of being in any color you want. So uh, if you have different combo packages, you want to, you know, swap in and out, do it. So um, this is just the list that I have, and it's very, very flexible because it's because it is all five colors. But because of the way you have to build it for this particular type of combo, it, it's very fragile. So, but I love it. To me, that's what combo should be. It should be very powerful, but also very fragile. And I think Composite Golem um, personifies that very well. So that is my Yargle for the week, the Golem. So I'd, I'd heard you mention Composite Golem before, and like I. I had no idea that yours was the disturbed burial combo list. Like mm-hmm. I, I threw a list for this together a couple of years ago in the in the PDH home base because I realized that that was a combo line, and I was like, "Yeah, 
that's that's the the stupidest and most beautiful combo line I've ever seen. I have to like I never I never actually built the deck in paper. <laughs> I just I made like a tapped out list for it. And yeah, just, like, right. I posted in the home base and I was like, <laughs> everyone look at this, and it was like, ah, okay. And then we just moved on like collectively. Yeah. And that was <laughs> like, it. You moved I, past it. <laughs> I realized this afternoon that that was your deck. Like I was looking through your list, like, oh, there it is. Like, <laughs> I'm overjoyed that you brought this to our combo discussion so that you could be our Yargle. This is yep. this is beautiful. Well, I'm I'm happy to yargle it up this week. With that, like, should we have you present your combo line first? Now that I've I've already spoiled the disturbed burial bit. Uh, sure. The pillar one. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fine. I can do that first. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the engine. Like Dave said, pillar one. Sort of like we alluded to earlier, the engine of my composite golem disc uh, deck is. Surprise, surprise, it is Composite Golem itself, but it needs literally every other creature in the deck, or as many of the creatures in the deck to be on board as possible. There's only 16 other creatures, but you need them. They're all cost reducers. They reduce the cost of artifact spells, colored spells, you know, and that's in this particular type of build for Composite Golem, that's all that can be in here. It's either got to dig me through the deck to find the pieces I need or reduce the cost of spells I'm going to cast. One of the two, or both, whatever. If it's not one of those two, it cannot be in the deck. You know, we have all the transmute to find your pieces, Drift of Phantasms, Demir Infiltrator, that sort of thing. But then we have, like, Ethereum Sculptor, Foundry Inspector, Goblin Electromancer, anything that reduces the cost of anything you're going to cast because it's five colors. So put them all in there. We we need them. Star uh, Starnheim, Courser, that sort of thing. Croson Driver is... A powerhouse in this deck because it reduces uh, composite golems cost by two so it's a four mana that you can sack for five mana that's that's pretty helpful sometimes and then you got all your familiars your nightscape familiar stormscape sunscape all that good stuff reduces your colored spells by one that comes in very handy when you're trying to uh, repeatedly loop composite golem for the mana that it produces to basically produce an infinite infinite amount of mana but because of all that, all these cost-reducing creatures, they're fairly fragile. You know, many of them die to artifact and creature removal. Like, they die to both. Some of them, you know, like Hissing Iguanar, for example. If you're looping Composite Golem in and out of the battlefield, it's going to start pinging people, but it has it has one toughness. Like That's going to die to to Stiff Breeze. These aren't very robust creatures, and you have to kind of be co cognizant of that and time your combo well, but don't go too late because you don't really have good blockers, and you would hate to throw these into combat where you are going to have a hard time getting them back. So it's a very fragile deck, but once it goes, it goes. It just it just goes off. So, But that is one of the aspects that makes it powerful, and to get the combo rolling, you need to be able to continually sacrifice the golem for its mana, like I said, and then use all that mana to bring it back and do it all over again. So we have cards like Infusive Vitality, Supernatural Stamina, Squeeze Embrace to bring it back once you once it's once you sacrifice it for its mana, get it back into your hand. You have all these cost reducers. You're gonna try to get as close to casting the golem for free as possible. Sacrifice it again with Disturbed Burial, like Dave was talking about, and I had never really learned or knew this card before PDH because it's not really a thing in Pauper. You don't you don't want to pay that much for this type of effect. 
but it's uh, colorless and a black for a sorcery. Return target creature from your graveyard to your hand, and then it has a buyback of three. That's exactly five mana. <laughs> so if you're producing you know, infinite mana, you're just going to keep buying this back, bringing Golem back, casting it, sacrificing it, bringing it back over and over and over and over and over again. It's essentially the deck, and you're using all the mana that Golem can make you to hopefully kill the whole table before they can do anything to stop you. That's basically it. The main infinite line here is that if you cast composite golem from your hand for six mana and then sacrifice it and then you cast disturbed burial with buyback from your hand to put composite golem back into your hand the total cost here is 11 mm -hmm. and every time you do that you gain five right yep so if you can come yep. up with six mana worth of cost reduction so things That's like exactly the goal even if you're net netting one mana you well, can do that, you know. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, if you if you net zero, then you can just loop the golem over and over, and you need mm -hmm. a different payoff. Yeah. But if you can if you can get seven total mana worth of cost reduction, then you're mana positive on this loop, and you get infinite yep. mana. Exactly. And you can yep. yeah. So the the all the, the yeah the you can reduce the golem's cost. You can reduce disturbed burial's cost. If you can get that, if you can get those together down to less than five. Yeah, and, and one thing I thought was cool about the golem is the infinite lines that you're creating come from the golem itself. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of two and three color uh, commanders that enable uh, combos. Sometimes they, they facilitate them, but this one is coming directly from the golem. Like, you, you have to have the golem in play. You have to be able to bring it back to your hand. Like, it is producing the mana that you're going to use to win the game, basically. But yeah, I found it fascinating. It, it it's really fun to play. It's surprisingly not difficult, but it's like frustrating to the point of being difficult. But it is fun if you want a straightforward combo deck that is just kind of wild because it's there's a lot of math involved, but it's so many different colors too. It's 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 a really fun deck. So that's my pillar one. Seems like a good time. Yeah, Liam, what's 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 your pillar one? How how are you gonna loop? Yeah, well, I mean, I already talked about it a little bit. So uh, for my pillar one, uh, it's actually fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, for anyone that might might play multiple formats, uh, you might be familiar with the Peregrine Drake combo in EDH. Uh, that is the combo line that I chose for this deck uh, because I did not understand the Moonfolk combo that uh, was in the deck that I copied. Uh, so I do just run the Drake combo. I have been informed that Tidal Bore is its own combo. I use Tidal Bore the card as a plan, like, F payoff <laughs> for Tatiova, as in just slow down the game. You know, no one gets untapped permanence kind of kind of deal. Mm -hmm. It is a little rough and requires some setup, you know, but in the event that pieces start getting removed randomly... It, it does exist. I'm not sure if I run the entire combo. Maybe one of my uh, co-hosts can explain that combo to me. Sure. So the, the, the Tidal Bore combo involves Tidal Bore and Mystic Sanctuary are the main pieces. Mm -hmm. So Yep, both of those are in the deck. So you, you have to pair one of these with what, what Crash and, and company lovingly call Land Idiots. <laughs> which are the walking atlas or scaled herbalist these these cheap little okay. you know one three or one one sakura tribe scout things that will allow you to tap yep. the creature to put a land into play 
Yep, so I you, have those. You tap those, you put Mystic Sanctuary into play. Mystic Sanctuary entering will cause two triggers to happen. You will put a ah. spell on top of your deck with Sanctuary's trigger, and you will draw a card draw from Patiova. Yep. So you these two things together put Tidal Bore into your hand. You uh, you cast okay. Tidal Bore. You alternate casting cost Tidal Bore by bouncing Mystic Sanctuary to your hand <laughs> to untap <laughs> the the land idiot, and then Do you tap the land again. idiot to put the put Mystic Sanctuary back into play. And so every time you loop, uh, you can tap Mystic Sanctuary for a blue mana. And if you do it infinitely, you get infinite blue mana. To capsize gotcha. okay. or do whatever you want to do. See, okay, so yeah, so I do run that combo then. Okay, um, awesome. I'm too stupid to realize it. Uh, what, I, what I typically do uh, is I use Land Idiots and Mystic Sanctuary to just gain obscene value off of Gush. Oh, yeah, that oh, also sure. works. Yeah, that's, that's because, amazing. Because, yeah, it, it's a little harder to go infinite with that one. I don't know if it's possible if you just get a lot of value off of it and can just draw, you know, Hecka cuds. But I, I do that. I, I did not think about putting Tidal Bore in the place and just making infinite mana. But yeah, I, I mean that works. So, so yes, I, I do have the Tidal Bore combo in the deck. But for for those of us who are not uh, as uh, in tune with with combos, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I run the very popular and very well known and very interactable uh, Drake. Combo, <laughs> very interactable. Is, uh, I like that. <laughs> which is uh, Drake. Uh, Peregrine Drake, any Archaeomancer variant, uh, Ghostly Flicker, or Displace, and uh, the Bounce Land, the Simic Growth Chamber in play. Yep. Very, very classic, just make infinite mana, and then there's a couple different payoffs for that. Or, in the event that you don't have an infinite mana uh, spell, you can pump that infinite mana back into the same combo, uh, replacing the Drake with uh, some other number or type of permanent. But that I will get into later, yep. when we get to Pillar 2. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I like it. Yeah, I like um, it a lot. Yeah. Pretty simple and straightforward. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's one thing I like about combo decks is when it comes, I mean, I mean, some of them can get pretty intricate or complicated, but for the most part, you're just like, yeah, this is a combo deck. You want to make infinite mana and you want to cast this spell right here infinite times. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when you boil it I, down, there's only a few pieces to it. It just takes a lot of work to get to those pieces. My my feelings on combo can can uh, uh, be pretty well summed up in one of my favorite judge calls ever, where... I had someone call me uh, over one time, and they were like, Hey, Judge, my opponent's refusing to concede, and I've demonstrated an infinite combo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, your opponent doesn't have to concede. Yeah, it's not the rule. <laughs> to, to, which, to which the opponent stepped in and said, they actually haven't demonstrated the infinite combo. They've demonstrated having the pieces to the infinite combo. Oh, my God. And I was like, that is oh, not the I same see thing. the problem here. <laughs> so I looked, I looked at the player who called me over, and I was like, so show me the combo right like i like i was you know not doing outside assistance right but i was i was trying to show this player that they weren't quite right right i was like i need you to demonstrate this combo for me and they said okay one problem with that i only know the cards that are involved in the combo i don't know exactly how it works to which my response was if you can't demonstrate the combo your opponent doesn't have to concede. Oh my god! So they just literally have how... the pieces, and they're like, "I guess I win." <laughs> yeah, uh, they they were trying to like Exodia this stuff, um, and I was, I and I was like, "You need to actually demonstrate the combo," because I'm like, "If you demonstrate the combo, you know, we can either sit here and because the, the combo was a mill combo, right?" I'm like, "We can sit here and your opponent can can do the appropriate game actions, right?" And mm-hmm. we can just 
waste time in the round, or you can demonstrate the combo, and then your opponent at which point could concede. And the opponent stepped in again, they were like, yeah, uh, if they demonstrate the combo, I will concede, because the opponent's like, I know what the combo is, I can't interact with it at this point. Right. But I need them to demonstrate the combo. And the player who called me over could not figure the combo out for the life of me, for the life of them. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this embodies why I don't like combo. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> because like, cause I'm sitting here like, this would be me. I would get, I would be playing, I would be so in the zone that I have all the pieces in hand, and I forget how it works. I wonder if they just like borrowed a deck in the person they borrowed it from. Like, it's a combo that, deck. All... Once you get the pieces, your opponent's going to concede. A, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred percent uh what that was is because like i did a, i did a little investigation like you know how long you've been playing this deck and they're like like oh i haven't this is my friend's deck and i was like ah oh, there you go okay <laughs> <laughs> um like it's like it's like uh, i see you you don't know what this does yep. okay. yeah so it was it was a trip i had to make this player sad because like it got to the point where like the player was sitting there trying to figure it out and their opponent was like Hey judge, when do we get slow play? And I'm like, well, we're getting there, because the 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 dude who called me over was just trying to figure out the combo so he could win. And I'm like, if you don't like figure out the combo in the next couple of minutes, I'm gonna have to issue a warning for slow play. Like, sure. Because it comes to a point where it's like, yeah, you might have all the combo pieces, and yeah, you know it, and I know it, and your opponent knows it, but if you can't play the game with them, you're now stalling. Right. Which is slow yep. play. So. It's unfortunate, uh, but it, it completely embodies me playing uh, combo. <laughs> like a hundred percent, I could just see myself in that situation. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Quick side note on that is, um, at the at the competitive PDH level, it's very important to understand not only your own combos so that you can execute them, but it's very important to understand your <laughs> opponent's combos as well, so that you can invite them to demonstrate the loop, and then you get to choose at what point you're going to interrupt the loop. There like you go. At, yep. at what point are you going to counter their spell? Yep. One of my one of my mm-hmm. favorite things is like I have a is a goofy tier four deck that I sometimes bring into competitive games to annoy people. I've Rune Crab <laughs> built, and like oh, Rune no. Crab <laughs> is hilarious because <laughs> a lot of its abilities of like milling everyone for one card or three card at instant speed. Oh no! And like yep. so, it, it, with in the Rune Crab deck, like dreamscape artist this blue card the yeah. spell shaper for harrow this dreamscape artist idiot can interrupt the tidal bore combo if you use it yep. at the right time because like the <laughs> tidal bore combo involves putting tidal bore from your graveyard on top of your deck and then from the top of your deck into your hand yeah so if you if you're like right there let's pause right there <laughs> like i have a response like you have to understand how the combo works both ways like you need to understand it so you can do it, and you need to understand your opponent's combo so that you can interrupt them, which yep. is part of why yeah. we're here for uh, this episode. There you go. I struggle with that first part, understanding my own combos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, like seriously, like like I knew the Drake combo because I I know it from EDH, but like the Title War combo exists in my Tatiova deck, and I had to have you explain it. I'm like, I have no idea what this combo is. What is this? <laughs> it's what I'm here for. Explaining combos. You know, you know I. I play all the pieces. Yeah. Because they're individually good on their own. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what makes the Tidal War combo so powerful in Tetiova is that it's yeah. like each card individually is great. Yeah. Allow me to tell you about the combo engines in Is It Guildmage. Yeah. Is It Guildmage? Yeah, go for it. Uh, which I realized that I, I introduced the deck. I never actually introduced the card itself. Is It sure. Guildmage is a two mana 2 2 
with two abilities. For two and a blue, he will let you copy any instant, and for two and a red, he will let you copy any sorcery, or any, any instant or any sorcery you control. Yeah. And it's worth noting that this ability, it doesn't tap him. It doesn't doesn't say once per turn, doesn't bounce him to your hand like Rutha does. There is, as long as you have mana to pay for this ability, there's no limit to how many times you can use this ability. Yep. Which means that Is It Guild Mage is the entire combo engine. Yep. <laughs> any, any spell you can resolve that will get you three mana will go infinite with Is It Guild Mage. If you can get a spell that will net you four mana, then you're infinite and you're mana positive off of the guild mage. If you can do a spell that gets you three mana and does something else, that's it. You're infinite. There are four really easy ways to do this in the Is It Guild Mage. One of them is the card Dramatic Reversal. Mm -hmm. Dramatic Reversal is a two mana blue instant that will untap all of your non-lands. So if you have four mana worth of mana rocks, you play Dramatic Reversal, you copy it with the Guild Mage. Every time the copy resolves, you tap all of your mana rocks for more mana. You spend that mana to copy it again. You've gone mana infinite. Another, a similar card is called Hidden Strings. Hidden Strings is a two mana blue sorcery that mm -hmm. will allow you to untap any two permanents. So if you can get four mana out of two permanents, uh, Hidden Strings will go mana infinite for you. And it's pretty easy to get two mana out of four permanents. Uh, High Tide does this really well. Yes, uh, very well. If you're if you're doing a High Tide, the weird thing about Hidden Strings is that it's a sorcery. So you need red mana to copy mm -hmm. it. So if you want to go infinite with High Tide and Hidden Strings, one of the lands in play needs to be a dual type land. It has to be a mountain island so that High Tide is getting extra mana when you tap it for a red. But that will get you infinite mana. It will give you infinite blue by copying it, and then you can spend the blue mana to, to just use it to untap two mountains over and over again and get your infinite red. So that's infinite mana there with uh, dual land and high tide. Uh, is it boiler works? Is a land that naturally taps for blue and a red? So if you have that and high tide or Sisse's ring or Urgolem's eye or Everflowing Chalice, there's mm -hmm. your four mana, mana infinite right there. Uh, you can also just do this with Everflowing Chalice. If you have the Chalice on three counters, yeah. so that it taps for three mana, that and a mountain will go mana infinite. So Hidden Strings has lots of outs here. The combo that I just pulled out of the deck uses the same Peregrine Drake card that Liam was talking about. Five mana, two, three, fire. Untaps five lands when it comes into play. Uh, there are two blue instants that cost less than two mana, or less than three mana, that you can flicker with the Is It Guild Mage, or uh, that will flicker the Peregrine Drake, and you can copy the flicker spell with Is It Guild Mage. So the cards are called Siren's Ruse. Yep. It's a two mana flicker, and um, Planar Incision is the other two mana flicker. There are other two mana blue flickers, but they're all they're all slow flickers. They put the card back at end of turn, mm -hmm. which means that you can't loop it. Yeah, like Teferi's Time Twist, that sort of thing. Yep, Time Twist is the, the popular one. Time Twist does not go infinite with the Guild Mage and a Peregrine Drake, sadly. Yeah. But Siren's Ruse and uh, Planar Incision do. And every time the Peregrine Drake comes back, you untap five lands. You tap three of them to copy the, the Planar Incision again. 
and now you, you're you're two mana up and you can do that over and over again yep you can run the ruse or the incision flicker combo with a cloud of fairies i was going to ask about that yeah you need to get high tide involved that way because cloud of fairies is yes. only going to untap two of your lands so you're back in this like sort of hidden strings situation where you need mm. to be able to get four mana out of two lands in order to, to go that way. Sure. But it is a little easier than hidden strings. The Both of the flicker spells you're copying are instants, which means that the guild mage copies them for blue mana, so you don't need to have one of these dual-type lands. You can do it with two islands and high tide. Yep. The really cool part about these flicker combos, like flicker... Flickering a, a Paragon Drake is probably the most famous, the most ubiquitous combo in PDH. Yeah. The problem with it is that almost always these flicker lines go through the graveyard. Like the, the ghostly flicker goes to the graveyard and then you pull it out with your Archaeomancer or your Mnemonic Wall or whatever, or your Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, but it does spend some time in the graveyard and that makes it really vulnerable to Relic of Progenitus and the Honored Heirloom. Yeah, because they can just nab it. Yeah, if someone exiles that in the middle of your flicker combo, <laughs> Oops. then it's gone. Yep, then and it's, it's gone. That's that's got to be like the the next catchphrase of uh, PDH. You know, dies to removal, dies to relic. Dies yeah. to relic. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, is it Guild Mage's flicker combos don't die to relic, which I think is really cool. It's your you put the flicker spell on the stack, and then as long as it's on the stack, you can just copy it as many times as you have mana. Yeah. The last combo engine, I, I mentioned the Izzy Guildmage has four really big ones. The last combo engine that I want to talk about for Izzy Guildmage is uh, Arcane Spells. The first three combo lines I talked about, that's how you get more than three mana mm-hmm. out of a spell, and you can copy that for infinite mana. But I also mentioned, if you can create a spell that adds three mana and does something else... And to that end, we have the card Desperate Ritual, which is a two-mana red instant that will add three mana to your mana pool. It's it's like a dark ritual, but red and costly. Mm-hmm. But it also has the ability to splice onto arcane. So if you have cast a different arcane spell, you can spend two mana to reveal Desperate Ritual from your hand and add its text to the other arcane spell. Yep. So if your other arcane spell is a lava spike, uh, which is just one red mana sorcery, uh, deal three damage to target player. That is the entire text of lava spike. Right. But it's arcane. Yep, which it's an arcane can, sorcery. It's an arcane sorcery. So if you cast lava spike, you spend your two mana to splice desperate ritual onto it. Now, the lava spike that is on the stack says deal three damage to a player and add three red to your mana pool. Yep. So if you copy that, you let the copy resolve, it deals three damage, gives you your three mana back, spend that three (laughs) mana to copy it, let the copy resolve, it deals three damage, gives you three mana back. This goes on forever, until until there stop being people that you can deal three damage to. (laughs) Yep. So this, this is what I mean when I say if you have something... This doesn't go mana positive. You don't gain any mana from this. You're spending yeah. exactly as much as you're making. But because your your cards are doing other things in the meantime, you're still doing things with the combo. Yeah. So those are the four different engines of Is It Guild Mage. I currently run three of these in my deck. You can find out which three I run 
by checking out the deck list, which will be in the show notes. But yeah. I'm going to leave it at that for now so that we can talk about pillar number two, payoffs. Who's yeah, up? let's get to some payoffs. I think I'm up, actually. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with the golem payoffs. There is not a whole lot to talk about here. This is extremely straightforward. I know we talked about creating the infinite mana earlier with the golem. Um, because you don't need to do anything to sacrifice it to create the mana. It, as long as it is on board, you can sacrifice it and create the mana. And with your other spells and your cost reducers and that sort of thing, that's where you begin to generate all the infinite, infinite mana. And there are really only two types of payoffs in this deck. One, you can burn out the whole table with fireball, big fireballs or big rolling thunders. And if you don't like that, when you're looping compo uh, Composite Golem, you get an ETB every single time. So you can wreck the whole table with Impact Tremors and or Hissing Iguanar, if that's your if that's your jam. The kind of nice thing about these combo lines is that if you're on the infinite mana, Burnout, Rolling Thunder plan, you're probably going to get the, <laughs> the Impact Tremors and Hissing Iguanar damage as well ideally you won't even need an infinite amount of mana to burn everybody out. You'll need probably like a handful of damage because the trimmers and the iguanar have already dealt them significant damage while you were creating your mana, basically. So I don't have like a super breakdown of a ball. Like Dave's was really impressive as it always is, but this is just, it, it is super straightforward. You've got your cost reducers on board. That's the key to getting composite golem as free as possible or as close to free as possible and then you just start looping it you sacrifice it for its mana and then you hit it with you know your abnormal endurances you're infused with vitalities all that sort of thing uh to to bring it back or like we talked about earlier you start looping your disturbed burial to bring it back every single time but like dave said by doing that you have to find a way to be mana positive and that's where some of the other cards come into play, basically. So I think it's straightforward. I, I don't know if I'm missing anything. I feel like I glazed over it, but that's essentially the plan. You just try to burn everybody out or hit everybody with, with infinite or lethal amount of ping damage, ETB damage. I think Disturbed Burial is the only way that it goes, like, infinite. Let's Truly infinite. Unlimited amount of time. Like, the, the Abnormal Endurances, they'll give you... They kind of function as, like, Dark Rituals. Yeah, deck, where they'll, mm -hmm. they'll give you a big burst of mana, but there's there's no way to really recycle the abnormal endurance so that you can use that over and over again. It's just like a one-time massive mana boost that it will push you closer to your goals, but not infinite. Disturbed right. Burial is what really goes infinite here. And you can, if you get the mana cost reduction down where you can loop that, great, and go mana positive, good. If you're not mana positive, but you're mana neutral, you're still triggering Hissing Iguana every time. Yep, exactly. Draw Scorpion, I think, is one of the cool payoffs here because it's it's almost part of the engine mm -hmm. where, like, every time your Golem dies, the Draw Scorpion will let you untap one of your, like, artifact lands. Yeah, and or that, Mana Rocks that, or what have you. Yeah, or Rock, and that, that can push you much closer to Mana Neutral or Mana Positive when you mm -hmm. do this Burial Loop. Yeah, it's a very... Uh... That was a good pickup. That was good. Um, um, you noticed that. I like that because it's it, it is sort of subtle that it's in there, but that's exactly mm -hmm. what it's for. Yeah, that that and all the artifact lands and even like mar market festival. Like you can you can put <laughs> yeah. If this, you've got that this... on an artifact land, <laughs> yeah. Then you yeah. like 
that goes a long way towards like cutting the number of cost reducers you need when you can just rock that. Yeah, when you, you just keep untapping your your enchanted land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. What kind of uh, pillar payoffs are we gonna see in in Tatiova? Yeah, so uh, there are two two real things you can do uh, with Tatiova, uh, and that is create infinite mana to use in infinite mana sinks or land ETB loops, as I like to call them. Uh, so the deck, the deck is going to win with infinite mana. Uh, your goal is to Drake combo or Tidal Bore combo uh, to generate infinite mana, ideally blue. If you have infinite mana after you do the Drake or Caromancer combo, uh, you have a couple different options. Uh, you can do Stream of Thought to mill out your opponents. Uh, you can do Capsize, uh, which, while admittedly is not really a win con, turns out if your opponents no longer get permanents, that tends to end the game pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's usually over. That doesn't kill them outright, yeah, but it's the, effectively it, over. Usually the, the, the pod will scoop. If not, you can always do commander damage with Tatiova, as slow and painful as that might be. But yeah, uh, another thing you can do with infinite mana sinks is loot Mystic Sanctuary. I call this Plan Z <laughs> because you're going to loot Mystic Sanctuary with, uh, I guess, Tidal Boar uh, to make infinite mana again. Or you could do uh, infinite fogs. You run a couple fogs in the deck. You could just every turn loop Mystic Sanctuary a couple times to get all of the fogs back into your hand and just have them for your opponent's turns. Mm -hmm. I've done this once. <laughs> I it, it upset the table. Yeah, I did end that. up winning that game uh, after two of them milled out because they couldn't interact because literally every turn was me returning every counter spell and fog out of my graveyard to my hand. <laughs> it upset them real bad. Yeah, that is upsetting. It's upsetting to hear about. But that's what happens. That's that's what happens when you exile the top half of my deck and exile uh, all of my other win cards. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> like like they literally they they literally exiled a lot of the payoffs, but none of the combo pieces, and it like shocked me. I was um, I was gonna say like at what point do you just start like you know when when you do your you know Drake ghostly flicker combo to get infinite yeah. mana like at what point do you just start flickering like your Archeomancer and an island just so yeah. that you can get right. all the draw triggers off of Tiova so that you can draw into your yeah. stream of thought. But like if if yeah. if your if the stream of thought and the capsize and everything if they were all <laughs> like exiled then like uh -huh. Yeah, let's just infinite fogs. Uh -huh. Yeah, yikes, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yikes. Um, you forced my it hand. It was it was bad. Uh, yeah, it it was pretty much my response. Like I I have nothing else I can do. We're just gonna infinite <laughs> fog, and that's that's that. That's like, brutal. Can't do so that's that's all the infinite mana sinks that exist in the deck. The admittedly more uh, unique and and more favorable ones personally are the land ETB loops. So when you run the Draken Archaeomancer loop enough times that you have infinite mana what you can start doing is running the loop without drake uh so you ghostly flicker the archaeomancer and another permanent and you target a land so sunscorched desert is a colorless land that enters the battlefield deals one damage to target opponent or creature you can create infinite damage with sunscorched desert and that just outright kills people you can also uh loop with colony garden which gives you an infinite army of o1s mm -hmm. Uh, you can loop with Gingerbread Cabin, which gives you uh, technically infinite life, uh, but in reality, the cabin gives you infinite artifact, ETB, and LTB. <laughs> and you can loop Thornwood Falls for infinite life. Sure. Yeah. That is usually not received well, but it's usually received well or more well than the uh, infinite fogs. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, infinite life is usually received 
more well than uh, Capsize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Capsize feels bad. Well, because, like, <laughs> Capsize doesn't win, but it's a huge feels bad, and your opponents just scoop at that point. Yeah. Versus if you gain infinite life, like, they can still interact with that with commando damage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So exactly. it's like... It's, you know, you gaining infinite life is not as bad of a feels bad as you bouncing their board and invalidating <laughs> the last 15 tons of the game. Oh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 uh, the payoff for Tatiova. Pretty sweet and simple and straightforward. Love it. All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the Guild Mage has sweet pillar twos. What do you got, Dave? The Guild Mage, the payoffs for getting going infinite with an Is It Guild Mage are Is It Guild Mage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When, I know that feeling. When you can... When you can spend three mana to copy basically all of your spells any number of times, like, all you need is a single spell that deals damage. And mm -hmm. you can just end the, like, Lightning Bolt. And, like, it's so gross because Lightning Bolt is such a good card anyway. Right. You're like, th also, this is part of my win condition. Like, I'm going to make 1,000 mana, and then I'm going to cast <laughs> Lightning Bolt and copy it 2,000 times. Like, yeah. uh, it feels really good. If you combo, but you don't have Lightning Bolt in your hand, don't worry. Play any draw spell and then <laughs> copy it 30 times. Like, yeah, you're good. Cop copy Ponder 30 times. Po just Ponder over and over again until you find a Lightning Bolt. It is so easy with this deck to just find... Like, any any spell is a payoff for you. Yeah. You can just do it over and over and over again until the game ends. If you're doing Dramatic Reversal, combo lines where you're mm -hmm. untapping all of your mana rocks every time to go mana infinite you can hit bonders ornament bonders Ooh. ornament becomes like a payoff yeah right. like you can, it sure does you you put eight thousand men in your pool and you start doing the dramatic reversal copy lines where you you spend you know you spend four of it to draw off bonders and then you spend three of it to copy dramatic reversal and you let the copy draw again and <laughs> spend four of it to draw off bonders like it doesn't mana is you have infinite mana, you have infinite bonders activations. Yes. Uh, you will you will draw until you find a payoff that lets you end the game. Hidden strings combo line, same thing. You can you can spend your mana to copy any spell off the guild mage. You can hit any draw spell off the guild mage. You can bonders ornament as many times as you want. Now on the uh, dramatic reversal you have it puts you know, you get infinite ornament uh, activations, but on hidden strings it says only eighty thousand. Is that <laughs> is that still good? <laughs> I, uh, the eighty thousand is probably enough. Okay, sort of yeah. to make sure. Yeah, if you if you if you put eighty thousand mana in your pool and then you run out, <laughs> you can always just redo the combo and get another eighty thousand. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, good. it's hard hard to run out. Yeah, the flicker combo lines are the hardest to to just turn into uh, payoffs because they they don't. They don't untap anything except your lands. Like they don't give you bonders ornament. They they give you infinite mana. So if you have the draw spell or if you have the burn spell, great. Uh, right. If you don't have either of those things, like a bonders ornament won't help you. You're just kind of. I don't know what you do if you if you have the infinite combo but you don't have the payoff for it. Like. Right. It seems like a weird place to be in, and is it? it yeah, it feels but, very awkward. Yeah. Uh, you can. There there's some cute tricks you can use to get around this. Like think twice is a really underrated card in this deck because you can you can just leave it in your graveyard forever and then when it's time to combo you can play it you can flash it back from your graveyard and still copy it because even though it flashes back for three it still has a converted mana cost of two and mm -hmm. the guild mage will copy it right. so 
uh, it's pretty easy to find the, the draw spell that you need. If you're on the arcane line, the arcane combo lines are their own payoff. Like, like I guess theoretically you could just cast Desperate Ritual and then copy it over and over again. That's stupid. That, <laughs> like, that seems silly. <laughs> don't do that. Like cast a different arcane spell, splice the ritual onto it, and then whatever that that other spell is, that's your payoff. Uh, if you're using Eye of Nowhere, that will bounce all of your opponent's permanents. That's your that's like Liam's capsize thing. Usually people will just end the game there. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes, now, if they're feeling very brave, they might not just scoop. The now, if you were if I can interrupt real quick, yeah. If you like you said, you could just cast the desperate ritual over and over and over again if you wanted to for some reason. Would that work with like um, the uh, Kessig Flame Breather? Like, if you infinitely cast desperate ritual, are you infinitely pinging? Does it not work? Does that not work? If the Flame Breather were a Magecraft trigger, that would work. But you're not a, you're only casting the ritual once, and then you're Ca- copying. It does not it. care about the copies. Okay, yeah, Ma- that's, where I was, Magecraft, that's where I missed it. Magecraft cares about casting or copying. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. The the only Magecraft trigger in is it colors is uh some wall idiot. It's terrible. Yeah, it becomes a three three that can attack. <laughs> it's well, it's, it's always a three three. It just can attack. So yeah. like, there's no payoff to be had there. Right. Maybe, maybe someday, if they come back to if they come back to Magecraft, if they make a Kessig Flame Breather that has actual Magecraft, then okay. yeah, then you can copy the Desperate Ritual over and over again. Well, they're gonna have to do like Strixhaven colon graduation day, like that'll be the revisit or something. Yeah, two two Strix two Haven. <laughs> um, beautiful. A very interesting difference between the Eye of Nowhere combo with the Guild Mage and the Capsize combo with Infinite Mana is that. When Liam does the capsize thing, he still has capsize at the end of it. Yes. So like no, yeah. no one's gonna be like, I think I can fight through this because they're gonna <laughs> take their turn and they're gonna play a land and Liam's gonna be like, I capsize your land. Like stop. Yeah. Like, Do it again. This yeah. is Do over. Go home. Like when yep. Izzy Guildmage does the Eye of Nowhere thing, after that combo finishes, Eye of Nowhere is gone. Like it's spent. Yeah. The original card got put on the stack. And after I've copied it 800 million times, targeting everything, the original resolves and it goes to the graveyard and it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't get that back. So uh, some people, if they're feeling very brave or reckless, they might choose to keep playing the game after you eye of nowhere all of their permanents, but uh, it seems unlikely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Lava Spike, like I said, that just kills. Glacial Ray, that'll, that's a burn spell. That just kills people mm-hmm. if, you, if you combo out with that one. So yeah, the other arcane spells I think are draw spells. So like peer through depths, reach through mists. If you're if you're splicing onto those to combo, then you just copy that over and over and over again until you draw something else. Like until you draw the lava spike. Yeah. And then you cast the lava spike and you combo off of that one. So that's that's how you transform your infinite engine into a game ending situation with the Is it Guild Mage. Makes sense to me. Yeah. All right. Are we moving on to P3. Next up, Pillar 3. Let's talk about card advantage. How do you not run out of gas? All right. How do I not run out of gas with the Golem? Well, it's actually... I don't want to say easy, but it is very understandable. It's something that you can easily pull off. You don't need as much uh, established on board as you do to to pull off the, the, the combo itself. Basically, 
you're going to be casting your cost reducers anyway, your electromancers, your familiars, that sort of thing. And for card advantage, you're in in my list, I just packed in very expensive, very good draw spells like Rush of Knowledge and Four C, which is Scry Four, draw two, Unexplained Vision, which is draw three cards. If it was adamant, you scry three. You know, if you cast it on your main or at least three blue mana was spent to cast it, you also scry three. Like really expensive, really powerful uh, draw spells because we can make the mana to do it. You know, there's Siphon Mind in here, Tamio's Epiphany. Uh, there's a Thought Cast because we are running a ton of artifacts, that sort of thing. The thing about the Golem deck with the card advantage is, yes, it's very nice to have your cost reducers on board because that, that takes some of the sting out of paying five to draw two or whatever, what have you. But there's no trickery here with card advantage. Like, you're literally just digging. All these blue draw spells are just shovels to get through your deck. You're not trying to loop them. You're not trying to do anything crazy with them. You're just finding your cards you need to get that combo online basically there's nothing fancy going on we don't have copy spells we don't have anything else like you're literally just using very good draw spells to get through your deck refill your hand and dig for your pieces and that's that's really about it and it's really straightforward the the because the combo is so commander centric and very specific with what you need you have to draw and or scry as much as possible at one time and that's what these draw spells do. You know, you're drawing two, three, four. Uh, Rush of Knowledge can draw you up to six if you had your composite golem online. So that's huge. You know, it's just a matter of how far, how deep can you dig to find your pieces? And that's what all the draw spells do. There's nothing fancy about it. You're just hopefully getting some reduction in cost and you're just you're just hard casting them. So that's what I got for Pillar 3. I, I don't think... Like I said, I haven't played the deck a ton, but I don't think I'm missing anything as far as that goes. I'm I'm pretty pretty competent at casting draw spells. So <laughs> unless you see something I missed. I think the only time we get a discount, a natural discount on draw spells is treasure cruise. Outside of that, you're just hoping to have a couple cost reducers on board and dig down deep. Straight up blue draw spells. So that's all I got. I know um Tatiova is like built on card advantage so what do you got liam yeah so tetiova uh is pretty straightforward when it comes to pillar three and card advantage uh tatiova is the card advantage engine yep every single ram spell that you play in this deck becomes a draw spell as well and when every single spell is drawing cards and playing lands uh that means every single spell is uh growth spiral and that's amazing that's pretty good yeah it yeah. tattoo becomes a little obs- tattoo becomes a little obscene and it's very important in this deck to play tattoo early and keep her in play so let's talk about that keeping her in play bit. that's the easier part uh you got some really key protection pieces in the deck uh whisper silk cloak and noak stealth suit both of those are cheaper than tattoo they should come down before she does that way you can equip them right away Broken Fall is that enchantment that you can return to hand to uh, give a, to regenerate a creature. Mm-hmm. Is that what it does? Yeah, it regenerates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got plenty of counter magic and the aforementioned fogs for combat, but that's not really protecting Tatiova so much as it is protecting you. Yeah, exactly. The other part I need to talk about is getting Tatiova into play early. Uh, she is five mana, which is a little awkward for a competitive commander. Uh, not unreasonable, spe- specifically because she's Simic and ramp based, but. Uh, but the reason I want to uh, talk about it is because you need to not only ramp to five mana, 
but you need to keep enough ramp spells in hand to use after Tatiova comes down. Because there's nothing more awkward than playing Tatiova, <laughs> and everyone's expecting you to play a ramp spell, and you're just like, nope, pass the time. Yeah, I got nothing. And it's like... Here's a huge target the, for you. Every, yeah. Everyone just stares at you. So, yeah, it, it is very important to uh, play her early, but also have protection available for her, but also play a ramp spell after you play her. The deck is very mana-intensive, in the in the early tons of the game uh after that you just have so much mana that like it's it's a joke mm -hmm. so yeah it's it is a very tricky deck to play in the first like five to six turns once you get past that it's it's it gets much easier yeah but yeah so getting the engine online is as as straightforward as it might say is much easier said than done let me put it that way. As straightforward yeah. as it might seem, it, it does have some decision uh, trees that need to be carefully uh, maneuvered from game to game. Yeah, and I've noticed a lot of your uh, like your draw spells directly affect your lands too. Like you mentioned Gush earlier, yeah. Frantic Search, that sort of thing. Yep. Seems good. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great. You got a good Pillar 3 for us? Excited to tell you about Is It Guild Mage's card advantage suite. I want to hear about it. Is it Guildmage's card advantage suite? Uh, surprising no one is a bunch of instants and sorceries that draw cards and cost less than three mana. Huh, weird. Because is it Guildmage's activity? You know, you can activate him for three mana. It's weird. Yeah, you activate him for three mana to copy a spell that costs less than three mana. Wow. Uh, he tragically, <laughs> he can't copy things that cost three mana or more, which is yeah. a little bit of a bummer, but that's fine. We don't need Ghostly Flicker. We have Impulse and Anticipate. I mentioned at the start of this episode that we were going to talk about card draw, card advantage engines that focus a little bit more on digging and card selection than on just raw value. Mm -hmm. So uh, instead, mm -hmm. of, instead of the cards, they're going to just straight draw a card, draw two cards. Uh, we want to be looking at the top three and picking one. We want to be looking at the top four and picking one. That's that's what really goes great with impulse and anticipate. Sure. We got a couple transmuters in here, uh, merchant scroll, merchant scroll, and dizzy spell and muddle the mixture will all help you tutor for whatever combo pieces you're currently missing, and that's extra extra powerful in a deck like Is It Guildmage, which is running four, or I guess my deck is running three, mostly independent combo lines that don't have a ton of overlap between them. So if you have part of one combo line, drawing the second part of a different combo line feels really bad. Like, it, it's not helpful to have Lava Spike and Hidden Strings. That's not... Yeah. It, doesn't, it does nothing for you. So right. if you have the Lava Spike in your hand, and instead of drawing Hidden Strings, if you draw the card that you could use to tutor four Hidden Strings, or you could use it to tutor for desperate ritual uh so having that flexibility in terms of like which combo lines you're going to pursue based on what's in your hand based on the board state that's really important for the tutors and the card selection sure we also just run all the the, the basic stuff preordain serum visions treasure cruise hopefully not a ton of surprises there there's a couple of great arcane spells to draw cards like peer through depths i think i mentioned looks at the mm -hmm. top five 
gets you an instant or sorcery from the top five. Uh, Reach Through Mist is just a really cheap arcading spell that draws a card. I like Curate and Deliberate. thing that I like really strongly about Curate and Deliberate is that they early game they could just replace themselves and they give you a little card selection they scry or surveil to and then mm -hmm. they put a card into your hand uh, i like that they are two mana instants so late game you can wait a turn cycle with your mana up so that you can counter spell whatever crazy nefarious nonsense someone tries to do to you <laughs> and then at the end of a turn cycle you can pour five mana or eight mana into curating or deliberating three times multiple times yeah yes like this that becomes seems good scry to then draw then scry to then draw then scry to then draw like this can just instantly be a hand refill for you late game yeah yeah which is yeah. kind of crazy and that's so like innocuous like oh i'm just gonna copy curate a few times but that yeah. really like puts you almost a full turn ahead of everyone else yeah copying the curate goes nuts yeah. The thing that's really kind of berserk is so the, I I mentioned some tutors. Dizzy spell and muddle the mixture are transmute. They tutor by transmuting, mm -hmm. which you can't copy. That's a that's an ability. It's not a spell. Right. Also, yeah, you can't can't copy those things. You can copy merchant scroll, which is crazy. <laughs> that is. You, you can gross. be like. <laughs> you can be like, okay, I have like I'll, I'm going to spend five mana. I'm going to get dramatic reversal and two counter spells. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm gonna get everything I need. Fight me about it. Like, right. what, are you, what are you gonna do? Like, so I've been I've played in a couple games where that's happened, and I've been like, I cast Merchant Scroll, I copy it twice. Like, I, I, you have to reveal the cards, so you show sure. everyone at the table. Like, here's my dramatic reversal. Here's which your wins death. The game. And here's here's two counter spells. Like, how many do you have? Show, show me oh, your hands. Yeah. Like, can you stop this right now? Like, yeah, uh, it's yeah. It's pretty wild being able to just copy a merchant scroll. And so, yeah, uh, lots of cool things that you can do there. There's other pieces, but I'm going to talk about them in Pillar 4. Ooh, Pillar 4. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest we move to Pillar 4. I think that's a good one. I think I'll, yeah. I'll start with, with the Composite Golem's version of Control and how to not die. It is... You're going to die a lot. You're going to die a lot playing Composite <laughs> Golem. That's just how it is. You're, the deck is not built to... Hmm, it's not built to protect itself very well. Like, there is... Not counting the commander, there's 16 creatures, and every single one of them helps your deck combo off. So you need to have as many of them alive as possible so they don't make for great blockers. There are a few flyers, like Muldrifter, that sort of thing that come can come in in a pinch you know if you if you need to hard cast it if you need to get it on the board for flyer that sort of thing there is a handful of counter magic like arcane denial is in here scatter arc uh, negate that sort of thing unwind that can help our combo help protect our combo because that is obviously very important because you don't get very many chances to have your combo go off so you need ways to protect them so those are in here a nice little counterspell package. And that's really it. There's no life gain, despite being in five colors. There's not really room. I guess you could maybe try to squeeze in a weather the storm or something like that. But then again, that doesn't help you against commander damage. So I don't know what you're going to do there. But honestly, this is this deck, this current list of the deck is strictly built to 
get to the combo as fast and as cheaply as possible, back it up with a couple counter spells, and hope that everything resolves, basically. That's its control. There's no keeping it alive. I mean, you have a lot of draw spells. You can dig to find your counter spells, but that's it. I mean, you don't have big creatures to protect you. All your creatures are kind of small butts. They just help with the reducing of costs of spells. And you just sort of have to buckle up and pray that you're going to dig and find the right cards and cast everything on time. Thankfully, there's not a lot of control because I'm not I'm not good at thinking about control and combo at the same time. So that's really all I have for control. Straightforward. I love it. Yep. <laughs> La- they're does... like last resort blockers and some counter spells, and there you go. <laughs> how, how does the golem deck not die? Uh, what if it just dies though? What What if <laughs> like... it just dies? <laughs> <laughs> counterpoint yeah hear hear me out (laughs) i have too many combo pieces to run control pieces rebuttal it does die how about we just race (laughs) that's it yeah it it is a combo (laughs) deck that likes to race yep that's a good way to put it so i would imagine that simic probably has a little better control than the golem does so what do you got for us liam you know, Tatiova is is one with the control being Simic. Yeah. As as I mentioned earlier, uh, control magic and and counter magic is one of the ways that Tatiova protects herself uh, from being removed, and it's also one of the ways that Tatiova uh, control you know keep keeps the game flowing at a pace that is reasonable for Tatiova. The Tatiova deck is is very likely going to be one of the faster decks at the table. Mm-hmm. In the off chance it's not. Uh, having some counter magic to slow down a, a hyper aggressive or uh, another combo deck is is nice to have. Using that counter magic to protect your own combo pieces and uh, Tatiova is nice. Using that counter magic to uh, prevent a a strong aggro piece from coming down and threatening your life total is nice. So Tatiova just runs you know the eighteen best counter spells plus arcane denial. Uh, <laughs> you know with with best counter spells being defined by your meta because yeah. I, I hate Very when people true. are like, oh, this is just, I really hate when people are just like, oh, this is just the best counter spell. It's like, for your meta, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if every if every deck is tight on mana, then uh, spells like uh, Spell Pierce and Mana Leak become really great. But if your meta is, you know, super, uh, uh, you know, produces a bunch of mana uh, and isn't, isn't running a bunch of mana hungry decks, those spells become really bad and you just want hard counter spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you want modal spells because you don't know if you're going to be facing against decks that need to have everything countered or if you're facing down like Chair Tribal and you don't care what they do. You just want draw spells. <laughs> so really the best counter spells are completely entirely meta dependent unless that counter spell is called Arcane Denial and then it is just really good. Right. Yep. Straight yeah. facts. Yeah. Arcane Denial just goes in every blue deck. It really does. Outside of counter magic, we have Fogs. Uh, this is not a Turbo Fog deck, but it can be turned into one if your opponents force it to be. Like I was mentioning earlier, you set up Mystic Sanctuary loops and, and just return all of your fogs to hand. Mm-hmm. The key ones that we run are uh, Moments Piece, which is a fog that can be flashbacked. Uh, we run Tangle. Uh, we we run Spore Cloud, which is an evil version of Tangle, because Tangle yeah. uh, is fog. Tangle is fog, right? But it says the attacking creatures don't untap. Spore Cloud is tangle but the attacking and the blocking creatures don't untap <laughs> during the controls next to tap step which normally sounds really bad unless you're using it in a combat step that's not involving you unless you're not involved then it's yeah oh it was so evil uh there was a game that i i wasn't participating but it was a game i uh, a gameplay i watched 
where a hyper aggro deck uh, attacked into a weaver deck and the weavers need the weavers to combo off the weavers had assembled their combo on board just needed to untap and the aggro deck was coaxed into attacking the weavers because one player controlled uh not controlled but had in their hand a spore cloud like they share that information and they're like you need to attack with everything threaten their life total so they block with the weavers and i'll fog with this sure. oh so oh it was it was great uh and then the spore cloud player proceeded to win on their next turn which was fantastic um <laughs> so i i i fully support and agree with this whole conversation if your opponent is attacking someone else and blocks are declared and you spore cloud them, that feels great. <laughs> on, the o- on the other hand, how often are your opponents attacking someone else when you're on Tatiova? In my meta, fairly often because they okay, know exactly right, how to right. stop. They, they, they know how to stop my Tatiova deck and they know that combat is not going to do it unless okay. the a Voltron deck d- doing commander damage. When, when I see people playing Tatiova... I just see them get gang beat to death just over and over. Giant <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I I will say uh, that in my particular deck, using Spore Cloud to defend myself doesn't always feel bad because I don't have a lot of tap shenanigans. Like all my tap shenanigans are in the title board combo. So yeah, you know, if I use Spore Cloud, it shuts off title board combo for a ton, but it doesn't shut off Drake and Archaeomancer. So yeah. I don't I don't entirely mind Spore Cloud in the Tatiova deck that I have. You know, if I if I was still running Weavers, I absolutely hundred percent would not have Spore Cloud in that deck. But because Tatiova doesn't really do a lot of tappy stuff, I don't mind running it. Yeah. Cool. Uh so yeah, so so the control is wrapped up uh in uh, three words, uh counters and fox. Yeah. Perfect. Sounds like Simic. What do you got, Dave? What does the Guild Mage got? Yep, you are the last pillar for Guild Mage is in a weird spot because I, I I talked at the beginning of this episode about how the control needed to come in some form or the other in in the form of blockers so that you don't mm-hmm. just get completely overwhelmed. The Guild Mage deck doesn't really run creatures. I think once upon a time I had three creatures in the deck when I was experimenting with the Cloud of Fairies and the Drake combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gone. They're out. Trinket Mage is out. The, the deck has zero creatures in it. So, uh, <laughs> turns out I kind of lied to you a little bit about uh needing to run creatures. I'm looking really hard at Coastal Bulwark. <laughs> there I you think go. Coastal Bulwark is secretly a, a, a an incredible defensive card. We'll see. The Is it Guild Mage doesn't run creatures because its control suite is unreasonably oppressive uh when you can mm-hmm. copy lightning bolts all day long like nothing nothing survives that like what no what you, <laughs> like you copy lightning bolts you copy end the festivities a couple times oh gross you're just gonna clear the board constantly you can I, I mentioned in the in the card advantage section i mentioned that i had some extra goodies when i was saving them mm-hmm. you can copy into the royal or blink of an eye after you've kicked it because the cmc yes. or the mana value is two value stays two but yep. now you have if, if you cast it and then copy it twice you bounce three permanents <laughs> that were probably attacking you and then you draw three cards. Oh, that's gross. It's beautiful and it's gross. It's so gross. <laughs> like, this time, so, uh, 
once again, all of these things only actually work if the guild mage is around and in play. Yeah. Uh, if if someone mercs the guild mage, then you're like, well, I guess I can blink of an eye one thing and be sad about playing fair magic like a peasant. Yeah. Move on so to that, game two. That, that feels bad. But the the other nice thing about um the the nice thing about keeping the guild mage alive is that he can copy counter spells. So like if if he if you stick him for a turn and then you get to untap your mana, like you are pretty much never going to lose a counter spell war ever again cuz like other you know you you sometimes get into these counter spell wars in in competitive where someone's like I pl I play the combo piece and someone's like I I arcane denial it and someone else says I negate the arcane denial and someone else says I counter spell yeah. your negate like this things happen sometimes that doesn't happen with is it guildmate with is it guildmate you're like <laughs> I happen. do the thing and someone's like I try to counter spell it and you're like well, okay I'll I'll copy it <laughs> like sure <laughs> like now what <laughs> i still got one on the stack and they're like well i'll i'll spend another resource for my hand to try and stop you and you're like all right i'll copy it again <laughs> like uh -huh. do this all like day this, buddy this thing is happening and like <laughs> even even if i eventually run out of mana here like it doesn't go off like i want it to mm -hmm. like you've spent three or four cards from your hand trying to stop me and i've only spent the one like my hand is still full yeah yeah. So that like is next huge turn, advantage. it's it's massive. It's colossal. You can so like you know, people people will try to kill your guild mage, and you're like, I cast confound to counter it, and you know, draw a card. And they're yeah. like, well, well, in response to that, I'll kill your guild mage with a lightning bolt. And you're like, I'll copy confound. Like it's still right there, <laughs> man. Like I'll draw another card and and counter the other spell you've played from your. Like, so, yeah. How uh, many times do you want to go through this? Right. Like it's just. <laughs> You know, people people get a funny look on your face, and you're like, I copy confound. Like, you're not even responding to anything anymore. You're just, like, trying to shout them down. And, it's, and it works. <laughs> like, you successfully, like, it just nothing works. With enough mana, like, nothing, you become untouchable. And, which is why the deck runs, you know, 20 rocks. Like, yeah. Every, every rock is just raw berserk value for you the more mana you have the more untouchable you become yep uh it's perfectly defensible to wait until you have 10 mana to cast the as a guild mage because then you can counterspell and counterspell for days when someone tries to kill it yep so yeah and like you, you're probably seeing 10 mana on turn five or six so Whew. or maybe that's maybe maybe five is ambitious maybe maybe six 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 seems not unreasonable to see 10 mana yeah um, basically it's not a late game deck like you can yeah, you can get going relatively early. So, uh, that's that's the Is It Guild Mage's control suite. Uh, I don't, I have nothing meaningful to block with. I just, I hope, I hope to discourage people from attacking into me by seeing, when when they look over and they see the Is It Guild Mage and like eight untapped mana, and they yeah. think, oh, like this is going to be bad. Like any any creature I send at him is going to die. Yeah, like I could attack. Like, I could attack him with three creatures, but he has a lightning bolt in hand, so they'll all right? die. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. like, and it's it, crazy. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, player one goes like, "I'll bait out the lightning bolt by attacking with three creatures, and then you can get in there." And uh, right. So like, the deck loses to getting gang beat. Oh, which, I believe it. I believe uh, it. Yeah. You know, I guess on a good night, that's probably the only way to beat that deck. Uh yeah. Uh if yeah if it is. Top tier competitive. Uh, we 
you know, we had Crash on months ago. He told mm -hmm. us about the tier list. Is it Guild Mage's tier one? Beautiful. Uh, and it has it has absolutely earned its position there. And this is this doesn't mean that Is it Guild Mage is unbeatable. This sure, means that sure, sure, sure. in a, in an average pod, Is it Guild Mage is absolutely going to be gang beat to death because yeah. it's going to be that much more powerful than the other decks, and they're gonna come together to to take it down. So yeah, uh, tremendous deck, tremendous control package, uh, massive amounts of um, the ability to shut other people's plans down, to just disrupt things over and over again, while while not really spending tons of cards to do it. Uh, very cool stuff with the Guild Mage. Yeah, and I like the choices that we made for this episode because we have Tatiova, which is like control draw, eventually I'll combo and win. And the guild mage is like, I am gonna spell sling more spells than I have in my deck. Yeah, I'm gonna win. And then the golem's yep. just like, uh, <laughs> chaos. I don't know. <laughs> what am I gonna draw? I don't know. What's on top of my deck? Who knows? I couldn't tell you. Com composite golem out here, like you're all in trouble when I draw disturb burial. That's right. Oh you just wait. <laughs> this, is, this is why the golem is the yargle. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we got tier one, tier one, and the golem tier. And and Yargle. That's awesome. Uh, it's beautiful. The Yargle tier. Yeah, the Yargle <laughs> tier. Great, great breakdown. I do believe that wraps up our deck talk, our pillars, our payoffs, our, all that good stuff. What's going on? I'm out of pillars, and I'm out of exciting things to talk about for the Guild Mage. Yep, I feel the same way about the Golem. I think we do have a listener question this week, though, don't we, Liam? Uh, yes, yes, we do. Uh, that question is coming all the way from Twitter, uh, from at Bigby44100. Uh, Friend of the show. They asked, yes, uh, and they asked, is there an infinite untap combo for Papa? I'm going to let Dave take this one. I am so delighted that you have asked this question during our combo episode because choosing not to talk about parcel beast was a was a moderately agonizing decision for me because parcel beast combos are crazy they are wild <laughs> they are not if you ever want to just yeah. level up as a magic player and and as a, and as a transcendent go go find yalaran's parcel beast deck on moxfield and read his primer just read through every word it will make you a better magic player yeah, just reading the primer. Just read the primer. Every it, it it'll take you it'll take you a solid half hour, but it will it, <laughs> it pays its dividends. Yeah. Yep. Um I'll throw that down in the show notes or the details too. Parcel Beast is I think the quintessential untapping combo deck. Uh the whole deck is based around the this Parcel Beast as a value engine allows you to mutate it onto a creature and then you can tap that creature to to basically uh coiling oracle you look at the top card you can put it into play if it's a land otherwise you put it into your hand mm -hmm. um so this partners naturally well with cards like uh horseshoe crab and soliton and simic ragworm and glimmer bell these are just cards that allow you to pay some mana to untap themselves uh so that's the value engine the combo is going to be getting one of these untapping creatures to make mana. Uh, so you could do that with uh, Pilipala, I think is one of the, the most 
accessible examples here. Mm-hmm. Pilly Pilot lets you spend yeah. two mana to untap it. it. It's the untap symbol. You spend two mana and you untap the Pilly Pala to create one mana. And if you can enchant that with careful cultivation, which allows it to tap for two mana, then you've gone mana infinite right there. And you have this infinite untapper. You tap it and untap it infinitely many times to create infinite mana. Mm-hmm. If you put careful cultivation on one of these things that untaps for a single blue, then a mana filter like Orochi Leaf Collar that allows you to turn your two green that you get from careful cultivation into a blue and a spare to untap the creature, you can tap it again. The other powerful tapping and untapping engine that Parcel Beast runs a lot of is the land untappers, and a freed from the reel lets you... You know, you, you can tap your Sculptor of Winter to untap a snow forest that has an, a land aura on it. Mm-hmm. And then you tap the, the forest for, you know, two or three mana. You spend it to untap the, the, the Sculptor of Winter with Freed from the Reel. And that will get you infinite mana. Yeah, uh, real fast. Yeah. The deck also runs Knack combo lines because... Mm. Um, if you're if you've got like you know banishing knack is a one mana instant that says target creature gains tap to bounce a non-land permanent. Um, so if you can put that spell onto one of your horseshoe crab soliton simic ragworm untappers things that mm-hmm. untap for single blue, you can cast a peregrine drake from your hand by by tapping. Probably you tap your five lands. Hopefully you get six or seven mana out of that because of your land auras. And then you you tap your horseshoe crab to bounce your peregrine drake, and you cast it again. And you spend every every time you cast the peregrine drake, you have to spend one blue mana to untap your horseshoe crab, so you can bounce it back to your hand. So if your if your five different lands can net you seven total mana because of land auras then you've gone infinite. I think those are the main combo lines in Parcel Beast. Yalaran's might run one or two more than mine does. I think I think he has the flicker package to go with his Drake. I don't run the flicker package. That seems <laughs> egregious. Yeah. But uh, Parcel Beast is just like, you know, a dozen different overlapping, interwoven, bizarrely connected untapping combos yeah and you can run any or all of them and the 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 beautiful thing about the deck is that every single one of these has the same payoff the payoff is always mutate parcel beast onto the thing that untaps use it to draw your deck until you hit viridian longbow and then put viridian longbow on the parcel beast because it's still the thing that untaps and then just machine gun and you machine gun every player so very very cool deck tons of tons of cool stuff you can do with these knack combos with the freed from the real combos more generally you can put these combos into other decks like the banishing knack combos are very popular with um things like battered golem or mirin spy Mm -hmm. which untap themselves when you play an artifact so if you if you cast banishing knack and there's two banishing knacks the other one is called retraction helix exact same card uh, if you if you cast this spell onto your battered golem, you can tap the battered golem to bounce like a a lotus petal or a shield sphere, just some zero mana artifact, and then you play it for free and untap the golem, tap the golem to bounce the sphere. 
your payoff here would be something like impact tremors mm -hmm. or uh reckless fire weaver or ingenious artillerist who are going to deal damage to everyone or uh Kessig flame breather i guess flame breather works. sure yeah like anything that'll deal damage every time you, you play an artifact will will end the game if you get one of these net combos online Yep. So those are popular with stuff like Herald of Kozilek, I think, is a popular knack commander because it allows you to do this with one mana artifacts instead of zero mana artifacts with his uh, cost reduction. Yeah. The the is it partner pair from Battlebond, who I think are named Chakram Retriever and Chakram Slinger. Well done. Uh, that is that is their yep. names. Yeah, <laughs> got it. They go infinite. Or one of them, the retriever, the the doggo, uh -huh. can can be your untappy piece in this combo. I think it, it untaps whenever you cast a something. Yeah, you cast a, um, a spell during your turn. You untap yeah. target creature. Yeah, so it can just untap itself, or it can untap you know whatever else you want. Yeah. So yeah, lots of knack combos. Pure sight marrow does some very cool untapping combos. I think that's about everything. Freed from the real, banishing neck. Yeah, there's not a ton beast. of specifically untapping combos, but the ones we do yeah. have are extremely powerful. Um, I mentioned at the very beginning of the show that uh, the Is It Guildmage was the first dedicated combo deck I built, but not the first deck I built with a combo. The first PDH deck I ever built, ever, actually had a combo in it, which I think was pretty impressive because... I built this deck before Peregrine Drake was downshifted. Ooh. So okay. this was this was way back in the day. It was much more difficult to combo. A lot of the combo pieces we have now didn't exist. Sure. But I found a way to, to shoehorn an infinite combo into my stupid PDH deck. And that was <laughs> Gilder Baron has an ability that you pay three mana and you untap him. This is an untapped ability. Mm -hmm. To double the number of counters on a permanent. So, with the card Pentad Prism, which is a two-mana Sunburst artifact, mm -hmm. uh, you, you cast it for your two-mana, it comes into play with a charge counter on it for each color of mana that was spent to cast it. Yep. So, hopefully, you get two charge counters on it. If you can pay three mana and untap your Gilder Baron to double that to four, and then find some way to tap your Gilder Baron, like uh, Viridian Longbow is good, Utopia Vow is good. Some there's there's you know a dozen ways to tap him to make yeah. a mana or deal damage or yeah, yeah, do yeah. something. Uh, you find a way to tap him and then you you pay another three mana to double the counters on the prism up to eight. Mm -hmm. And now you can take three of those counters off to untap the Gilder Baron to double it up from five to ten. Yep. And you take three of those off to double it from seven to fourteen. <laughs> You take three of those off to double it from 11 to 22. This sounds like yeah. it's getting out of control. Yeah. So you get the the Pentad Prism and the Gilder Baron give you infinite mana and infinite taps. Like whatever you're tapping the Gilder Baron for, you get infinite of those. Like with Presence of Gond, you get infinite one ones. That's mm -hmm. the other untap combo I forgot. Presence of Gond combos. Oh, yeah. Okay. With Midnight Guard. Ivy Lean, Denizen, and a Devoted Druid. Yep. Or Midnight Guard. Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, uh, I've, I have talked for a lot. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about Untapped Company. TLDR, there's dozens. Yeah, there's a lot. Pop in, 
pop into a Discord or a Reddit, and we'll 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 tell you about which ones you're specifically interested in. Yeah, absolutely. There there are a ton. There are enough that you could do deck techs on those specifically those decks forever. There's a ton of them. Yeah. Yep. And they're all like Dave was saying. They all kind of center around roughly the same kind of package of cards or or few cards, but they're all very good. They can be used in very different ways, just depending on what your flavor, what your flavor you like is. But I don't think I have anything to add to that because I don't typically play combo. So I am for sure not yeah, not I... up to the up to the level of doing untapped combos. Like obviously gone to combo, I played that in sixty card popper. That's pretty straightforward. The um retraction helix, like nettle drone, ornithopter combo, you know, where you just ping everybody to death. I've done that before. But when you start getting into like the Gilder Barons and the the uh pure sight marrows and stuff like that, that's when I am out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Liam, to the listener question? Thanks, Big B, again, by the way. Yeah, no, uh, D- Dave pretty much covered it. <laughs> yeah, that's some good ones. I Sometimes I got to remember to just shut up. Like, I feel like no, I talked for way too long about that. You're no, good. Like, no. on, this, on this specific question, it would have been like five seconds long if, if you didn't contribute to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, no, it's fantastic. You always have great information. All right. Well, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week. Um, but in the meantime, until next week, if you need more Popper Commander talk, have any questions about the format, you can always email us at the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Home Base's website. You'll find the Discord server there. Uh, Liam and I are, are on Twitter, while it still exists, I guess, at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as Alcatron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. And like always, I'll have all the links down in the in the details of the episode. Gentlemen, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight, talking about some combos, something I'm not super comfortable playing or talking about, but we got through it. So I do appreciate that. I appreciate you hosting. No, yeah, no problem. This, is, this has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love having a platform to gush about Guild Mage. I, uh, I do too. This has been this has been eye opening for me about my own decks. So yeah. Yeah, same here. Actually, it's uh, been fun. Yeah, <laughs> there's some things now that I wanna uh, I wanna tune about the Golem deck. It'll never be better than what it is, but there are some things I want to change now. So it'll be interesting to pick it back up and see what I can do with it. So. Yeah. But all right, big, as oh, go ahead. Big shout out to Yalaran for being the uh, the original architect of both Is It Guild Mage and Parcel Beast. Yes, absolutely. I've... I will put. Um, I think I put it in the show notes, but I will put the link to his uh, Parcel Beast parcel beast deck down in the episode details so give that a read it's awesome deck try it i played against it once i think dave you actually played it uh in a pod and and wiped us out with the with the longbow so it was very entertaining and it was cool to kind of see the how it works like like the gears of it like you kind of went through step by step by step you told us exactly everything that was going on and then it became time to kill us and you're like and i do this a million times (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was very, and it was very cool to see. Yeah, that was pretty much it. And you all die. So, but yep. So as episode twenty-five of the PDH Pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a combo deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I brought Texted the party